You're listening to the Football Retreat Podcast on the After Hours Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our Instagram at After Hours Network for more awesome podcasts. Are we going for La Dispute? La or dispute? are we going for a purple beanie? Uh, well, you're already wearing a purple Matches shirt. I think it. that the, it's a little too much if you go both sides, like full, right. full thunder. Yeah, because if you you're know? wearing a beanie, I'm wearing a beanie. Yeah, well, I'm doing it to I keep can do my, it like ears, my little ears warm while I drink my cold iced coffee. Ooh, what flavor? Black. Just plain, bl- Just plain black, iced coffee. black iced coffee. I didn't get a donut. I got a croissant instead. Oh, Ooh, pl- yeah. plain croissants. Yeah. That's right. Butter croissant. Yeah, 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 I snowboard. Why you ask? You do look like you snowboard. <laughs> now, Corey, we, we're all getting an idea of everybody's <laughs> like, fit here, except for your fit. Can you tell us what you're wearing? Uh, um, um, I'd rather not. I feel like I, I can picture Corey. nothing. He's wearing nothing. <laughs> he's wearing nothing. He's wearing He's just wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, <laughs> and I, on I, his ass. <laughs> hey, hey, Corey, were you doing this when you were looking around? Were you doing this? Um... <laughs> I was. Uh, I myself sometimes stall a little bit. Yeah, stall a little bit. So I feel like we have a big week. And I don't really know where to no, start. I, no, no. You know, we'll we'll ease into that. We'll no, ease into no, it. No, no. Let's just start with Chris. Do you want to get uh, it knocked out? I'm, I'm sure, like, Ooh, I'm sure Sheffield United have been doing great. They've been doing season. great the past about that? Sheffield United's second win of the season. Pretty incredible. I was watching that. Oh, yeah. Because I was <laughs> Yeah. Who did they Do you, all, did do they you want me to go? That's pretty big, right? Dude, he's going to go full Chris. He must be horribly out of shape. Bro, like, so this is the thing. Against Sheffield United, <laughs> no, a really dominant team this season. That, uh, that, yeah, their second win already. You're gonna make him go super, Chris. In <laughs> January, wow, they're really saving through the season, aren't they? And do you know what? It happened over there, like 50 <laughs> meters away. <laughs> no man, I, right? Yeah, it was. It was, the, it was the first away win of the season, and probably will be their only away win of the season. Um. Do you know what, though? I actually was so shocked at how calm I was about it. Is it because you kind of saw it coming? Yeah, I did. (laughs) No, do you know what was? Is that if you actually... I was talking to my friend about this earlier on, but performance-wise, we've actually been decent. We've been good in terms of controlling games, creating chances, and scoring the correct... Essentially scoring more goals than the opposition. But eventually complacency and, and sort of this allure of oh we've won all these games was going to come back to haunt us and that's what happened mm-hmm. it's as simple as that and you know i are i would argue that I, it was i would argue that it was inevitable that we weren't going to go you know people were calling for Ollie Solskjaer to get sacked and stuff this morning and i was like you got to remember that even the best united teams i ever watched lost at home to west brom and stuff like that so 
it's not it's not a disaster. It's a blip. And if we lose at home, if we lose at Arsenal, then I'd be like, mm. and then if we lose, but then if we lost against Southampton, and we, that's nine points, and that's another probably fifteen points behind City because they'll win all their games. Mm. Then that's whenever last night becomes horrific. But as of right now, I'm like individually, you know, in the, it's the issue. The, the issue isn't the performance. The issue isn't the result. It's the manner of the types of goals we conceded. Did you guys see the goals? Uh, I saw one of them. Was it, it was a deflection? One of them was, right? The second, the winner. But yeah. did you see the amount of space he had in the box? Yeah. But like, what, Th- that's the issue. Do you think that you guys just kind of went into the game thinking like, okay, it's Sheffield United. They're, you know, it's like they're basically Sheffield Wednesday. Like we're, we're going to be able to, <laughs> to destroy these guys. And like, do you think that they were like overconfident? Like, Dude, the complacency was shocking. Honestly, shocking. Like we, the fact that we, but that's what I'm saying. So Paul Pogba, um, just before the Liverpool game, came out and said that we have to be cocky. And I would, and you know, I would argue that you'd have to be the complete opposite. Personally, you have to recognise that this team is not as good as Liverpool. It's not as good as City. And I've said this. I've said that on this podcast multiple, multiple times. Yeah, we are probably the third best, if not, we're on a par with Spurs in the Premier League, and that's fine. So in that, by that argument, I think we actually are overachieving. Yeah. And that sort of last night was the reality check that I needed to sec- to see that, to see that this team probably can't win the league yet. Next season can be a different story. But but from then, they need to understand that. They need to recognize that we are punching above our weight where we are. Yeah. And that the complacency should should not... We shouldn't... It, this is the thing. Oli Solskjaer asked for... We know, obviously, like since we've last spoken, United beat Liverpool at home as well. So mm-hmm. it's a really, it's a very, very balanced week for me because being Liverpool at home with a with a free kick in the last ten minutes is like the best feeling. Yeah, and yeah. it went from that to that, and that's that's the worry. And it's, again, the complacency comes from the manner of the goals and the second goal in particular, the fact that he had twenty yards worth, of, well, not that many, but at least ten yards worth of space by himself, and Axel Tuanzebe didn't go and press the shot. Hence, why whenever Burke hit the shot. It hit. It was the way that Tunzebe tried to block it with his leg. It was very weak. It was very lackadaisical, and it kind of summed up the day. To be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing is, it's like what's nuts. I mean, like <clears throat> with Pogba saying that, like, oh, you have to go in cocky. It's like it kind of says, like, hey, you can you can understand your ability, and you can just go out and say we're the better team. You know, but that's not cocky. That's that's literally just saying, like, hey, guys, we are better than this. We have to understand their danger, like that they they could be dangerous and we could make mistakes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're a better team than they are, and I think that that's different than saying we're cocky. You know what I'm saying? So it's like them going into the mood where, yeah. where they're cocky is dangerous versus them going to the mood where they're saying we're better. I think I don't know. It's just like if if that see, but not yet. But JB, not not yet. I get what you're saying, and I think it, I don't think you have to say that. And I, you know, obviously, whenever LA Galaxy were winning the MLS Cup. Do you think that they actually would have to say that out loud? I just don't think it was necessary for them to... I, you, you go into those, those those types of games, you know you're better. Mm-hmm. Just go and perform. And that's the difference between us and City. City know that they're going to... City City play Sheffield on Saturday. Sheffield United on Saturday. Yeah. And guarantee it, it'll be at least 3, three or 4 now. And that's the difference. Yeah, and their defence. There's no chance of them conceding those types of goals we conceded yesterday at all. Damn, yeah. And it's like, oh, we lost Sam. Graham. Um, 
but yeah, no, it, it, it's like, it is kind of a, you know, a bummer, but I think that you guys are definitely taking the right steps. I, I agree with what you're saying where it's like, they, they shouldn't like all the fans shouldn't be having like this Ollie out, you know, cries it's mental. just yet. It's absolutely mental. You know, cause I mean, this happens all the time. Like big teams fall to a, like, you know, smaller clubs all the time. And I think that like in most aspects, would you say that it's, it's like, it could be more likely in some aspects just because a lot of the time they will, you know, underestimate the club going into the team like or going into the game like they might be like eh, like we'll, we'll make easy work of these guys like in most i don't i don't think that happens much in the premier league yeah. i don't know what you guys think but i don't think that i don't think that you can be a premier league player and unless you don't watch all the other games in the premier league there's no you know it's a cliche but there's no easy game in the premier league as last night showed it and let's bear in mind aston villa beat liverpool 4-7-2 this season yeah. And West Brom drew one all with City at home this season. Like shit happens. Yeah, you're right. It's as simple as it is. Shit happens. Yeah. And I think, but only, I think I don't know, Brian. I don't know if you'd agree with this, bro. But I don't think that I think the Premier League is the only league in Europe that's like that. Yeah. Because I think the Ajax can go into a game against, you know, Viva Venlo, and they'll walk that. And I don't <laughs> think I don't think that the shocks happen personally. Yeah. Yeah, the, oh, the only easy games in the Premier League are any team playing Arsenal when Arsenal needs to perform. <laughs> <laughs> but, bro, oh, my God, they've been playing well, though. Did you guys see the Southampton game? Yeah, 3-1, right? I thought yeah. Southampton have been really good this year. So Exactly, man. <laughs> they also made a new signing, didn't they? Arsenal? That's Mar- yeah, um, Martin Odegaard. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so Martin Odegaard. Yeah, from like the guy that played for, well, he he he, he joined um, Real Madrid on loan when he was six. No, when not on loan, yeah. sorry, permanently when he was sixteen. He, and he was, he, he was gonna be messy. He, he, yeah, they, yeah. They Dude, he he's like he's twenty two. He's twenty two. The guy's been around for eight years he already, nearly. Yeah, you hear like oh, he's he on and then he you never hear about him again. Exactly. when he was there, so it was kind of a shame. They call every kid the next Messi. They always and then they put them on loan and never hear. This guy, this guy was on loan at Hiravane in the Eredivisie and on loan at Vitesse in the Eredivisie. He played for two Eredivisie clubs before he went to Real Sociedad. And I know that Ajax was looking into getting him when Ziyech left. Um, but probably Real Madrid being Real Madrid being like, well, if you don't pay $300 million for him, we're not going to sell him. <laughs> uh, dude, dude he's, such a, he's such an Ajax player, though, isn't he? Because he's so... Yeah. He looks like te- he's, he's like, I think the best players in the world have this fine balance of technical ability and just physical ability. Martin Odegaard is weak as piss. But he's a wonderful, yeah. wonderfully technical player. Which, which is an Ajax player. So, what do you I think? I don't know if you guys like, I know, I, I don't know if Johnny knows. I think Chris might know. You know, um, the, the Ajax player, Nuri, I from like a couple years ago. Yes. He was the Ajax player that collapsed with the heart attack. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like, okay, okay. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny Van de Beek's best friend, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, 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 and he's technically still alive, but like he's not. Like he's been in a hospital for like three, four years now. Yeah. Um, Shit. And um, this this guy was like, uh, for the Americans, uh, like five feet tall. This guy was like tiny, super tiny. Yeah. Like probably like messy size. 
the, the small, small guy would lose every single physical duel he would be in, but he would make up for that with his technical ability, which ensured that he would never get in physical duels because <laughs> he would always be able to turn away from players and like, yeah. get and um, I mean, honestly, no, obviously no one really knows what would have like happened if he were to uh, not, you know, be, um, having issues for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah, incapacitated. Yeah. Um but yeah, that the player would have been uh, amazing for Ajax, I think. Um and I don't know. I think Ajax likes players like that that were like not necessarily physical. We have one physical player now, uh Hilaire. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, how's he started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh um they put him in um in the last 15 minutes, I think, like two days after he officially arrived at Ajax. And within like five minutes, he scored a goal that was ruled offside, unfortunately. Uh, but he gave an assist in the same game. I think in like four games, he's given two assists and scored a goal. So we're, we're good. We enjoy yeah. his presence. And like, that's the thing. He, he's really he's physical. Not, but he's not. Like, that's the thing whenever Ajax... It was, it was surprising that whenever West Ham sold him. Because... um. Mm-hmm. They've only got Mikel Antonio. And Mikel Antonio, like two years ago, was playing right back, and he's like their only striker now. So whenever they sold him, I was I was very surprised. But it kind of makes sense that I actually really have that focal point, did they? Of a striker that could come, that could you know do well, the physical side of things, and I so think that's always, a good move. It's, yeah, it's always hard. Um, I know West Ham is having some issues with you know trying not to relegate. Um, Dude, they're fourth. Like yeah, that's no, normally what it's like, but they're like they're doing yeah, really well. Yeah. Normally it's, it's like that, but they're doing it's really well. They play. From they beat what I, some. From what I've seen, I pulled up. Mm. Sorry, they beat who? I, I, I couldn't remember. <laughs> I was letting you finish oh, okay. your point because I couldn't remember. <laughs> oh, I think I, I'm trying to remember who they the beat yesterday. West Brom, um, no, no, he's talking about West no, Ham. No, he played for West Ham. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought he played for West Ham. I thought Brown confused it with West Brom because West Brom is is knocking on Sheffield United's door, but for being last place. Yeah. But um, yeah, no. I mean, um, from what I've heard is that the type of football because I I don't watch West Ham games, so I'm not a hundred percent. Crystal, Crystal Palace, I've... Brown, Crystal Palace. Let's see, they beat. Okay, nice. Um, they uh, from. From what I've heard, the way West Ham plays is not the type of style that Hilaire is a striker for, where they play a lot on their own half and are looking yeah. mostly for, like, you know, counter opportunities, which is not, yeah. like, this guy is strong as shit. And, like, it is really technical, but not necessarily really fast. Um, so it's not the type of striker that would be good for West Ham. And I've, from what I've heard is that West Ham is a... Is a um, um, pretty much like a dead end for every single striker ever. Really, like, huh? Javier Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, no, hmm. no striker does well at West Ham. <laughs> I would, I would like to point uh, out that I'm a big fan of Javier Hernandez. I feel like on this podcast we we dig him out a lot, but he is, a, you know, a United not United legend, but he he won. Two Premier League titles, you know. Yeah. He, he, did, he won the League Cup. He did something for United that he should have done for yeah. uh, other teams that he played in. 
you know, score goals. <laughs> I, I, I that's the thing is is like I'm gonna be honest with you guys, and and for the Galaxy fans out there, I know I'm gonna receive hate for this. Like, obviously, like I want him to succeed. I think that when he went into MLS, he had a completely like off mindset with it because there's a meme behind David Beckham always saying like it's harder than it looks you know and like you know everyone <laughs> makes fun of him for it because they're like ah, it's not it's not you have a player like Jervinko go and kill it which is fair but he was still young there's, there's has Jervinko G- fully signed Johnny is that is that done no it's like we have a we have a couple of people that said it's not it's not even really a thing like right now there's just so many tra- trade rumors but again, you don't really know because yeah. that's not in the news Wait, that we don't. Wait, where learn. did where did Giovinco go to? Where uh, is he playing? I think he went back to Italy. Brown, do you remember oh, whenever G- Giovinco was like like playing for Juventus? He's absolutely unreal, like in two thousand and ten or something like that. Obviously, we we mentioned last week that he went to Toronto, but but he, whenever he was playing for Juve, he was still really really good, and he's like Italy's next best thing. So that's why whenever I was surprised mm-hmm. he went to MLS. Yeah. But then that's why I was saying he's, if right. he's going back, it doesn't surprise me. But you know, it would be such a class signing for anybody else in MLS because I don't know what you think, Brown. And we were discussing this yeah. um, last week. But I, I think he's the best, the best performance-wise, the best player that the MLS has ever seen. Yeah. From what I've seen. Oh, oh my God! Well, like, it's, yeah, him at Toronto was scary. It's because exactly, when he, dude. Yeah. It's because of when um, he went. But, mm. But yeah, um, guys, I, yeah. I found out he's he's currently playing. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him from that team. He's currently playing for Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia. Oh, money, money. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, like. Do you remember whenever? Whenever? Okay, um, who was it? Was it Oscar? Oscar when he was like twenty six. Do you remember Oscar played for Brazil? Oh yeah, he was. At yeah, Chelsea. yeah. He went to yeah Corey. Yeah. Never heard from him again. But dude, this is the thing. He went whenever he was like 26, 27, like the peak of his career. He he just basically said, I don't like the Premier League. I don't want to really have this much of scrutiny. He got this incredible contract from a team. I think it was in China. And he just left in the middle of like his peak. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually, I was yeah, actually, but... I was, this something I was going to bring up for you guys as well. Um, something that me and my friends always discuss. And it's kind of topical as well because of um Ben Foster. And obviously Ben Foster's uh, vlogs and massive vlogs to cycling GK which is great entertainment but Ben Foster played for United and like famously never really liked football and he never really wanted the scrutiny of playing for Man United hence why he settled with West Brom and then Watford and it's people argue it's like the same as Danny Rose Danny Rose hits like we, you can probably tell from whenever you watch the Spurs documentary that Danny Rose doesn't actually like the sport of football, and for and it got me thinking that for a lot of footballers, do you think that there's a lot of footballers that just look at football whenever they're actually the professional, the profession that they're in, as just a job? And sorry, you know, soccer players included from the yeah. MLS, of course. Well, do you, yeah, but do you think that they just look at it as a job we, instead of a women? We have a term. They're bred. They're bred from being children to play like i'm surprised it doesn't happen more often like because so, like, yeah. like yeah. there's a japanese player who's amazing and he, and he finally was like i, I don't want to do this i want to be a model and he just left and he was at like the, the height of his career I, I i think it was like god he was like the the best japanese player dude at, at, the, at the time well, i forgot his name but honda. He, what honda. Oh, honda's still playing not honda um, honda still plays but 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like he he played and he he basically was like, I want to find his name. Um, he was like, you know what? Like, yeah, this isn't like I love the sport, but this is a job to me now, and I want to be a model. So he just left. He just freaking left to become a model, and he became a model, and he doesn't play soccer anymore. And that's my thing is like, it's it's easy for us as a fan to be like, oh, must be nice to have this as a job. But it's like for them, it's like they probably got into the sport so young to where they can't make that decision for themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're saying we uh we have a term in in the Netherlands for this, and uh they call them bread play bread soccer players or like bread players, which means it's like. They and bread is in like you know the food and not being bread. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and basically, what that means is that a lot of players, especially from like poorer countries like Brazil and uh, players from like you know the favelas in Brazil, from Argentina, mm-hmm. players from Africa, from like poor African countries, they don't necessarily play because they love the sport. They play because they're supporting their family back home and they're supporting themselves. Yeah. Um, and you cannot blame players like that for when a Chinese club comes around and offers them three times the price that any other team would offer for them. Yeah. Well, well, that's for, that's for sort of why going. I was thinking about it. Because if you look at, if you look, if you, I mean, let's say I'm trying to think of a famous example, but Steven Gerrard, Steven Gerrard, who was a wonderful one, one of the best English players of all time, one of the best midfielders in Premier League history. He had the opportunity. He probably his peak at Liverpool in two thousand five was probably earning, considering the wages of all inflated so much. I think at that time he was probably earning, I'd say ninety thousand pounds a week, maybe a hundred. And that's if you think back in the day, that was a lot. Yeah. Now probably equates to today. Probably be worth two hundred fifty three hundred of the size of the contracts that they get. Mm-hmm. But back then, he was really strongly linked with Liverpool with Chelsea. Pardon me. And Abramovich, obviously, the project that he was building, did Mourinho was the was the manager, and they had Lamp, Prime Lampard, Michael Balak, Makalele, their midfield, and then they were planning on just creating what was the equivalent of the Real Madrid um, Galactico team, and they were going to offer him the guts of like three hundred to three hundred fifty grand. But the what he always says is the reason why he, he his head was turned. But the reason why he never wanted to sit, want, never wanted to go, and probably would have won a lot more at Chelsea than he did at Liverpool, was because he was so attached as a player to the club, to the city. But as you were saying, Bram, could you do you think that if he wasn't a Liverpoolian, well, if he was Liverpoolian but didn't care as much about the sport or the club, would he have gone Chelsea? Because that's probably the highest profile case we have in English football was whenever yeah. he was he is his head returned. Well, I I think that um, I mean football is only like what like fifteen twenty years of someone's life, right? Yeah. Like there's exceptions, but that's it. It's fifteen twenty years and it's over. Um, professional. I mean, obviously, yeah, one players yeah. have been playing, but professional playing is like fifteen twenty years of someone's life. Uh, 20 years for goalies, 15 years for players. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you are a player that comes from a poor background, I mean, I I know in in a lot of English players' case, it's not as bad. Like, I can understand looking towards your future and being like, well, like, I know that I don't want to go back to, like, the favelas I came from after 30 years because I spend all the money I had and and I'm done. Um, yeah. unless, I, you're Adriano, I mean, unless you're Adriano 
Do you remember Adriano, who played for yeah. Brazil? He just went back and became like the member of a gang. <laughs> he <Holy> retired. Shit. <laughs> oh, Dude, read about it. It's hilarious. He fully is like he put oh on like God. five five stone, like an extra sixty kilos, and now he's just the, like the lead of this gang in some favela in Brazil. It's so funny. Sorry, Bram, Br- I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's really funny. <laughs> no, no, no. But, like, wasn't was it like Madonna out of um, sorry, Maradona? Wasn't he out of money at some point? Wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Like I think I don't know about Maradona, Maradona. Like, spent all of his money and like had I, to start I, I, doing coaching stuff to like m- make money again. Really, it doesn't surprise me to be fair. Like you know, it wasn't for all the talent that the man was, and God rest his soul. But he wasn't exactly all there mentally, was he? For no, he wasn't after he retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I, yeah. I was thinking of too is that it seems like those clubs, like the Saudi Arabian clubs and the Chinese clubs, and to some extent MLS, but not as much, because uh, MLS is just kind of getting out of that, where they're mm. almost graveyards for players. Where, like, once you go there, you can't, there's no way to get back into European soccer or national-level soccer. Yeah. yeah. Um, one example I can think of was a finer striker, Graziano Pella. Uh, yeah, I played for Southampton. Premier League beforehand. Yeah, for Southampton. Yeah, man. Um, he was doing great at Feyenoord. Then a Chinese team came with a lot of money, <laughs> offered him a, a, a shit ton of money, uh, and he went. And apparently after one year, he was trying to get back at Feyenoord because he hated he hated the environment there. He didn't like the club. He didn't like the play style because the Chinese league is like very much in its infancy still. Mm. Um, he, he didn't like it. He wanted to come back. Chinese team refused to let him go. They yeah. did, Why was that? Tell him. They that he they gave him a four year contract. He tried to leave after one year, and they're like, "No, we're not selling you." <laughs> so wow. he had to sit out his contract. Jeez, man. Well, I think because you imagine that. Well, I think the MLS is doing a really good job yeah. turning that around. I mean, we at this point we've had so many players going off to Europe, like young guys, that I think that the idea of MLS, like I I I think that people are understanding that for young players, it's a really great league. So like. Yeah, if you look at De- you know Davi, uh, you know Alfonso Davis, it's like you see him like he he killed it. He did super good in MLS at a young age, and then now he's playing for Bayern Munich and he's he's starting regularly and he's doing really well. Dude, um, he won the um the yeah. he was in the uh, FIFA Pro World Eleven for yeah. 2020. Yeah, he's like the best left back in the world. Yeah, like, and well, like, he's amazing. Yeah. And like, crazy. He's like 19. <laughs> and Almiron, like he's he's same. I mean, he plays you know for Newcastle. But I mean, still, he went to a European club. He's still one of their main guys over there. Um, who plays yeah. for Leeds? Um, eh, my gosh, they're one of their strikers. He's um, in bone right now. I mean, you've got Alioski, Harrison, Harrison, Jack Harrison. He, he came from really? MLS. He 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 was actually a super draft person. I I said this last episode where super draft people aren't shit, and I take it back a little bit because I've I've done more research. He, <laughs> he, he was a super draft dude. He came from our draft out of college and now he plays for Leeds and he's one of Leeds main guys and he scored the game winner this week. So it's like MLS has been, yeah, it's good proof. I didn't though. know that. I do. I swear to God, I thought he came from Man City's Academy. Yeah. There's a photo of him. I, I didn't mean, know that. For all I know, he could have, but like there's a photo of him <laughs> as like a, as a dude out of college, like smiling with NYCFC on the super draft and he played for them for a bit and then went to Leeds. And now he's, oh, like, cool. he's great with Leeds. So it's oh, like, dude, if it, yeah, he's class. I, I'm a big fan of his, even though he plays for Leeds. Yeah, 
But that I think that's why a bunch of like MLS clubs are starting to work with European clubs now is because European clubs are finally starting to see it and say, well, I mean, yeah, I think this is a good development league for younger guys. Like, I think that yep. people can learn a lot about the, the about potential. <laughs> yeah. Football, you know? and, and, but I, to play devil's advocate, I'm not sure if that's the best thing in the world because I then believe if you set up a, a network of, of, of talent for let's take City and NYCFC and Melbourne City for, as an example. If the Eddie had group have 10 clubs across the planet, could you imagine if that model was replicated and <laughs> and re, rehashed across across another 10 or 15 franchises in the next 10, 20 years? There would be, you would create a monopoly of football, of clubs, but not clubs and individual Man United's or Man City's or LA Galaxy's or Ajax's or Sheffield Wednesday's. It would be a monotony of Etihad FC as the umbrella, and then all these different feeder, like yeah. essentially sub- subsidiaries, because that's what they are. That's what Man City is. Man City is a club has become a subsidiary mm-hmm. of the Etihad Group. To be fair, I will. I will, to play to, to not sound biased. Man United, to an extent, considering everything that's going on right now, are almost becoming subsidiary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. As you think, dude, like this is the thing, and I will, and I like, I will never rant up, like, you know, and I've historically I've never ranted about United in on the pitch or anything too grateful, unless, unless it was that Istanbul game, which was horrible. <laughs> but I always do it about the Blazers. And can I just say how ridiculous it is that we, that, that Tom Brady, and that you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it is, it's, is on the most expensive contract, arguably in sporting history. And yeah, we can't even fix the roof at Old Trafford. Yeah, our yeah. train, our training ground. Our tra- we don't have a friggin' training stadium for the on um, for our under eighteens who have got. It's probably one of the best academies in the world, and that's you know. I mean, that sort of brings me on to another thing I wanted to ask you guys about is a uh, what do you make of the t- of the the Buccaneers and Brady getting through? And obviously, we're a football podcast, but it kind of links in with Man United and the Glazers. But what do you, yeah? What do you, what do you think of what do you think of that concept of 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 Soccer clubs being subsidiaries, and then obviously the money that the that owner owns being funneled into another sport or another area and away from that club. So I think that in a lot of clubs, and I think Bram's mentioned this before, I think a lot of clubs do, do that. And I, and I agree, it sucks. I, I think, I, I hate to say it like this, but if it were to become an issue, like an insane, like every fucking team does it issue, I think that FIFA would have to step in and say, okay, guys, this is kind of ruining the sport. Um, but like, for example, I think MK Dons does that. I think MK Dons works with two other clubs, um, as well. And I could be wrong with that. I, I know that there was a club where they work with a, a lower league team in England and then a team in some other country. I, I know that, um, I think, and this yeah. is where I'm going to ask Brian, PS, PSV works with Rangers, right? Or, or Celtic. And then Ajax works with Rangers on like, on um, stuff like no, they don't, um, no, they're, um, I don't think the clubs work together. I know Feyenoord, uh, their hooligans have a, a, an alliance with Chelsea. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. And Rangers, Rangers have them with Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Completely different. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but as far as it goes for uh, like owners doing that, I think it comes down to like owners. And this is what sucks. It's like, owner priority. An example that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like the MLS, like, you know, the, the, the NYFC, NY, NYCFC, is a subsidiary of Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they're owned by Manchester City. Yeah. 
Um, and I mean, I think for smaller teams, that's great because you can, you know, get the, you can get the, the upcoming players, um, from Manchester city stalled there for like a year or two. And when they yeah. get real good, they go back to Manchester city. Um, but I think, I don't know. I just hate the whole idea of, um, seeing soccer teams as a business, um, or like as a, uh, the trend of investment groups and companies investing in a soccer team to make a profit out of them is just not very appealing to me. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. takes away from the sport being a sport. And it happens in other areas too. Um, and it never works out right. Like it, it, like for some reason, like it never really works for a club um, when you have a, um, when you have an owner that sees it as an investment mm -hmm. to make the highest profit on with the lowest investment well, yeah. um, that never really works out. Well, a great example is, and again, I know we're a soccer, you know, football podcast, but I'm going to bring up American contact football. I mean, that's the chargers, the chargers, the problem with them forever has been that they were a team for a, like, you know, my entire life where they've always had like investors and they've always treated it as a business and not a team. So it's like they've always gotten technically great players, but they'd never worked on like the things that actually mattered with the, with the actual team itself because they were, they were focusing on what makes the money in the long term. That's why they left San Diego and went to Los Angeles. Like it, it's stuff like that. So you're right. It, it's not good for sports. And I, it, I think things like Red Bull, owning like a bunch of teams now is like a great <laughs> yeah. part of it too. Like I, I, you know, we all know this money kind of, you know, makes everything like great when it comes to buying players, but horrible when it comes to like, you know, everything else, you know? So I, I yeah. think it's inevitable. Like, well, it's going to happen. Had, huh? Yeah. Red Bull Leipzig had no fan base. Yeah. They like, hate them. They, yeah. Like German football doesn't like them at all. No, everyone hates them which yeah. makes complete sense. Like there's, there's, there's absolutely no reason why you would like that team apart from like, you can say, I appreciate the playing style, but yeah, that's because that's they it. buy players. Like, and, Sol and Salzburg as well. And you know, Salzburg, if you, I, I think uh, obviously yeah. Holland, well, Holland went from Salzburg to um, Dortmund, but Sa Salzburg signed somebody. Is it, Sh I can't say his name. It's like Shilab Shabat. I can't remember who it was, but Salzburg's best player. He was 19 just signed for Leipzig, this transfer window, because of that connection. And the same, Upe Meccano is another prime example. Upe Meccano went from, I'm pretty sure went from Salzburg to Leipzig. And I just, like, that, that sort of like to summarize my point is, is that monopoly of those types of, of players and those academies that maybe get dropped off or maybe you're more attracted to, to, to big contracts when they're 15, 14, 15, and they're about to break through and go to a, what is essentially a step-by-step -step club, you know, the likes of a NYCFC or a, or a Red Bull Salzburg. And then they move on to a Man City or, or a Leipzig. And it doesn't, it's, it's a new way of, or, of organic growth in the club from the player and the, and the actual quantifiable, tangible product, which is the football. Yeah. And therefore the business off the back of that. But, but surely you, surely you, that's not coaching. That's not making the player better. And embedding him in the com the club's culture, not necessarily the company's culture, because I, you know, if you look at Man City, Man City's academy is incredible, and I've been to it, and, and I've been around the facilities, and it's stunning, and what they've done around that area is amazing. However, 
like Jean Sancho recognized it. Jean Sancho recognized that he probably wasn't going to get embedded into the into the you know there wasn't a club to be embedded into, and then blooded into the first team. So he left and he went to and he went to Dortmund, and now he's one of the best strikers, one of the best wingers in the world. I think so, another club is Chelsea that has issues with that. Oh, bro, Chelsea's have, a whole like... other world. Frank Lampard, <laughs> Chelsea. I think that this and this is something I wanted to bring up too. Frank Lampard going this week, nuts. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't like him. I didn't like him at all. I thought he was way out of his depth for one. And I can say that you know, obviously, all these Solskjaer and Mikel Arteta, they're all very much. All these clubs are trying to follow finally. a Pep Guardiola thing. Sorry, Corey Manguet. No, it's just finally. Like I, 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 I never thought he was. I know I thought it was like you know. I'm not saying he's a shit manager or anything like that, but just like that jump from just like all right, now you're a Chelsea manager. That's insane. Like there yeah. was no way yeah. that. Like, he didn't yeah, deserve it. Not Where did it come from? For, he's only yeah, he's only been a manager for like what a year, maybe two, and then it's just like yeah. Uh, so a year, like, a year before, a year like before he got Even the Chelsea though, job. Yeah, they know a lot because you know they're a former player, and that gives them a lot of advantages, I'm sure. However, mm. like, I mean, you could look at Brendan Rodgers and just be like, well, that's a manager who's done it for a number of years now and has grown into Preach. it, and now he's yeah. a fantastic manager wherever he goes. He was great. Kind of almost no name when he went to Liverpool, so that's kind yeah. of why they made it easy to kind of get rid of him. But um, he 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 almost won it. He was so close to winning it there. Yeah, and then he went to Celtic, and 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 they won. Celtic won. I think they were on. They won three domestic trebles in a row mm-hmm. under, and they, eight of those trophies were under Brendan Rodgers, and the last one was under Neil Lennon. And like he and I, probably a bit of a sweeping statement, but. I believe that there's a, there's obviously the fact that Frank Lampard was a Chelsea legend, played a lot into the decision for them to, to bring him in. Yeah. But I completely agree with Corey is that Brendan Rodgers, you know, let's 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 look at this angle. Brendan Rodgers was a professional footballer to have the profile of a Wayne Rooney, Stephen Gerrard, or you know, even from a Northern Irish point of view, Stephen Davis or Johnny Evans, then he would have got more of a more of a standing. But Brendan Rodgers became a coach under Jose Mourinho at Chelsea, and then. He went to Liverpool, did what he did. Celtic did what he did. Did what he's doing at Leicester. In my opinion, outside of Klopp and Guardiola, the best manager in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So why is it that Chelsea... What, what was the attraction of Chelsea as a football club to a first a Lampard and now a Thomas Tuchel, who had a, a wonderful job at Mainz. Then, um, but, and sorry, he was in between Mainz and Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund, and he won the German Cup, you know, fair enough, against Guardiola's Bayern Munich impossible to do that because they were wonderful but then my nanny could win the could win the league of paris so what's he what what what's, what's he offering do you know what i mean i guess so, I guess, well, well, I guess, does, he has more I, experience when it comes to like and because i agree with you but i also think that he does have a bit more experience than lampard because he has had he has been all around in, mm. in clubs he's had time with christian pulisic i mean have you already seen them interact like it's kind yeah, of like it's yeah. kind of heartwarming. It's like wow, okay. Like he, he does seem like he might be the guy for this job. Because again, you're right. Like when Lampard was there, that was was going to Chelsea. They were like, "This is the guy. He played for us back in the day. All the fans love him. You know, they all say we're going to stand well as Lampard." That. But it was very much because they wanted as a club to to change the blueprint of manager wins league, manager or manager wins cup. He's here for a year and a half, two years. We sack him because he loses three games in a row. Which had happened since Jose left in the first in two thousand and seven. Oh yeah. So they brought him in. It was like, okay, well, Frank Lampard isn't this Ancelotti or Conte or Hibbing. 
he's this lower lower profile, not much experience. Obviously, they're going to give him time to build a a bigger profile and change what Chelsea's cult club culture was. Yeah, and then he lost. He, you know, obviously, I don't know if you guys watched Chelsea versus Leicester, but yeah. Leicester yeah. were ten times ten times the, the team in that day, and the Chelsea players looked like they'd oh down God. tools. And I feel like they knew that something was going to happen. But I, I, as much as I disliked him and his aura and what he was trying to do, I genuinely feel sorry for him because yeah. he's been thrown under the bus. And, you know, here's my question to you is, where does he go next? What's Frank, what, what's Frank Lampard's level? MLS, youth academy. What's his level? Exactly. This is a dream, right? I think it would be tough to go to MLS and then come back. I think that would be tough. And, and you're right, Corey, coach. because... Unless you're fucking winning all of them, then yeah. then it's like, okay, well, he's a good manager. But you're I don't right. I think so. He'd probably, probably, you know, Championship League. I hear Sheffield Wednesday might need a new manager and there's nobody, you know, in the spot. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that would be good, too. Real yes. project, there you go. Or you yeah, no, but that's right. Go to your project. Go to something that's, you know, you're going to be able to work at. Yeah. Go, I mean, go, it could have went back to Derby. But yeah. there's, I can guarantee yeah, you there's no other there's no other Premier League team could, that would manage that would employ Frank Lampard because he's not going to keep any of the bottom five up. He no. probably he probably isn't going to develop a Newcastle. Or he's probably not going to develop a Southampton more than Hasenhutl is, and none of the top six are going to take him. So it 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 just so it just felt feels very much right now for all of them as a Chelsea loses a club because they're back to square one. What was the point of the past two the year and a half? Lampard loses because that's his dream job. Is he ever going to go back to Chelsea? Probably not. Tuchel loses because he jumps into the into the the mold of a Hiddink or a Conte because he's going to fall out with the board in a year's time, and he'll probably not be manager in twenty twenty two. So he, he, might, he might win the FA Cup, but you know that doesn't keep a Chelsea manager in the job. And it to me, it just feels like they took all these steps forward with Lampard to do what they're going to want to do, and then they've taken so many steps back to where they were. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I think that well, and I, I don't. Just, I think he should, he should go to youth academies. If I'm being honest, because I feel like that's the that's the best way to develop coaches. I mean, yeah, and like, I agree. Is like, hey, have them develop like develop these kids. These kids already look up to Lampard. He's a legend at, at the club. You know, what I mean, and, and I don't think that'd be bad. Like if Chelsea was like, hey, man, like this isn't working. We're gonna have you do some youth academy coaching, and then we're gonna bring somebody else on if you still want to be a part of the club. And if that doesn't work, go to another club and do youth academy stuff. But that's a great way to like learn how to coach very skilled players, you know. I mean, and this is completely different, completely different. But that's what Pirlo did. Pirlo went. He was a, a youth academy coach at Juventus for five minutes, and then they were like, "Hey, do you want to be the actual Juventus coach?" And he's like, "I guess so." And like, I mean, obviously he's killing it because he has like Ronaldo and Weston McKenney and all these amazing players. Completely different situation. But it's the point is, is like. Do the youth academy stuff. Get your like get get the foundation going, and then and then manage. You know, and I feel bad because yeah, he'll yeah. probably never go back to Chelsea, and he probably loves that club. You know, I, I yeah. I, I, Have you guys I, seen like what was that, Corey? I was gonna say um, two things. Well, one of the things was I think one of the reasons he got the job was if we remember they were in the middle of that transfer ban, so they couldn't sign anyone mm. for like a year or two. So it's not like they were going to bring in some sort of Pochettino or some guy who wanted to make a lot of changes. So that mm-hmm. closed the door for a lot of people, but it did open the door for, for, you know, a manager who's been untested and all that. So I think that was a, a huge reason he got the job in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that that transfer ban is a myth, though. 
the myth. Because they, they signed Kovacic and they oh, signed they Kovacic. Did. Yeah, they're like, they're, yeah, they're signed like... people anyways. Like, okay, well, I guess uh, that, that doesn't matter. Kind of going off the transfer thing that Corey brought up, um, you guys hear what like, Chelsea's response is going to be? Like, all right, fuck. Uh, well, we we don't have a manager anymore. We're going to buy Holland. Yeah, today on Alaba. Holland and Alaba. Stop so, buying players. So here, so so mm. listen. They they just bought a striker and they're not playing him. Like they have um a uh, Werner. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, like, it's like obviously team like, Werner. But, <laughs> but we're gonna. What, they're gonna buy Holland. What are they gonna do with Werner? They're not gonna play with two strikers, dude. I think the um the the the, the headline they broke here was that um, Chelsea were interested in David Alaba and Ernie Haaland. And I was looking at it and thinking, I mean, every club in the world, be it a Sunday league team up to Real Madrid is interested in Erling Haaland. <laughs> this isn't the story. <laughs> of course they're interested yeah. in Erling Haaland. He's well, the best striker honestly, in the world. Think, He's 19. I think a lot of, a lot of clubs like Ajax should get a little nervous because Chelsea is panic buying all these players now. <laughs> Yeah. And they're just they're just throwing money at the wall and see and you know see what sticks. Uh, because honestly, like I know, like our left back Tagliafico, I think has been leaked to Chelsea every yeah. year now. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm sure that they're going to try to get him because Chelsea is buying anything and everything, and they think that that's going to help them win. Um, which obviously, you know, is not necessarily helping so far. Mm. I know this sounds cliche. But I think that Chelsea, we all know this. Chelsea has the tools to make this work. They're, they're, they're like they do. But the problem is, is that they keep buying these players, and you can't like you can't develop a, a, a cohesive play style when you keep replacing and buying players and like putting these new people mm-hmm. in these new positions. It just doesn't work. What you need to do is, is yeah. you need to say, listen, like I know he's playing like shit. Warner's a good player. He did fantastic at his last club. You know, like we need to like Havertz is the same. Yeah, as well. like we need to change the, our play style, and we have to stop making these panic signings and figure out a way to be comfortable. And you know, they they changed their play style in the last game. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, I, it didn't end up winning them the game, but they played with two number tens. They played with Havertz. Bro, he played, he played three for three. I was looking at it. I was like. Yeah. Because obviously Thomas Tuchel was manager of uh, Paris, and he played Tuchel played with a front four of Mbappe, Neymar, Icardi, and Di Maria. And I was like, again, like I said, my nanny could do that. Yeah. That's what I do in FIFA. That's what that's what I do in FIFA for God's sake. Yeah. So he comes in, and, he, and then he obviously plays Wolves. Wolves play that exact system um, with the Neto and Pedence behind Jimenez. Obviously, Jimenez is injured, so they play four three three. And I bet you Tuchel being in the job for like a day. Like okay, so we're playing wolves. How do they play? And I'll just match it. Hence why I play nil nil. Like, they put their starting eleven out yet? Well, we won't. We won't. We'll let them put out first. Yeah. But I looked at it. I was like, "Why did you announce your starting eleven? No, we're we're good. No, just just tell us your starting eleven. We already did. We already did. It's not on the social media. I'm new here. I'm new here. What formation are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> three, four, three. Oh, I think three, four, three, guys. Yeah, that's really cool. That's like good information. That's what we're doing. Yeah. God. Wow. But, but that's Crazy. my. But that's my ultimate. Is is like, dude. I remember when Chelsea was making all these signings. Everyone was like, 
fuck. Like, this is insane. Like, they're going to be amazing. But the thing I said since day one was that it's going to take time for it to show. It's going to take time for these players to learn how to play with each other. It's going to take time for them to find a formation that works and a style that works. And that's the problem with Lampard. I think that was like, I honestly, that's what I think Dunham in is that, like, these players just don't know how to play with each other still. Like, not yet, at least. And it kind of fell on the yeah. Frank Lampard's shoulders. So it's like right now, I don't think I think that they should pump the brakes. You got everyone you need. You don't <laughs> need to sign. I know we all want to sign Holland. You don't have to do that. Let's just take it. Let's yeah. just take it easy. Like you're not going to win the league just this year. Just accept that. Um, but do the best you can um, and figure out what. No, no, no. Sorry, finish your thought. But figure out how to make the situation great. And I hate to say it like this, but. Take this season as much as you can. As a <laughs> Make Chelsea experience. great again. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, just like take it as a learning experience. Like, see what works. Yeah. Take the losses, you know, if you need, but just come out of it with like, you know, and end strong. Like, end the season having a formation, having a play style, having somewhat of a chemistry, you know. And I think mm. that that's a win of a season then. And then they'll be super scary in twenty twenty two. And that was so what I wanted to what I wanted to add to um, I don't know if you guys have watched the Golden Boot standing right now in Europe um, or in Premier League in Europe uh, is it just Europe Lewandowski European soccer obviously is Lewandowski, who's one. yeah Lewandowski yeah, but yeah. Holland Holland is number eight you know honestly I think if Chelsea were to get a striker, they would probably have to look at the number five of the Golden Boot right now, standings, which Who is, is going to be Georgios Gikumakis from VVV Venlo. Is it actually? <laughs> yes. He passed. Oh my God. Uh, he passed Haaland and Mbappe and Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh my God. Okay, but, but this is how what? the meeting is going to go. This is how the meeting is going to go. They're going to go. Okay. Nikumakis, right. wait, before you do this, scored 10 goals in his last five games for VVV Venlo. Jesus, oh that's impressive. This is what they're going to do, though. They're going to go, uh, all right, lad, we're going to go through the, uh, you know, the resume. Okay, have you ever lost 13-0, 13-0? And then he'll be like, ah, I have I have lost 13-0. And then he's going to go, <laughs> ah, sorry, buddy, we'll call you. You know, and that's going to be it. Yeah. No, yeah. I get you. Got you know, you know what VVV Venlo <laughs> Four. How much? I got I had ten, 10k. Two hundred thousand. Uh, Jeez, that's that's impressive. For, but but what I was gonna say, um, guys, in terms of just in terms of strikers, um, before I just wanna I wanna talk about I want you guys, I wanna hear you guys' opinions on this before we uh before we finish up. Um, the the best fight, obviously you have McGregor, yes! McGregor fight happened, but. <laughs> It was just so bad in comparison to Zlatan versus Lukaku, which is the best fight of the year already, yeah. and <laughs> and uh, and Joshua versus um versus a uh, wait you you were thing. able to watch What's the game, fine? Chris. You were able to watch the fight. Watch, <laughs> I watched um I watched the uh, Inter Milan versus a uh, uh, AC. Yeah, well, I watched like the last, the last like. Twenty minutes. I missed the fight. So, so I guess in England, you guys have a working, uh, working service where you can pay for the fight and then actually watch it instead of paying oh, yeah. for it and then not watch it. <laughs> I see. You really well, tried hard. What, hap- what happened? Really what happened? You went out of your way. Me and well, we we spent seventy dollars for UFC two fifty seven, and then ESPN yeah. Plus hit the like shit the bed. 
and we missed the first two fights because there was an outage. And when when oh, they when, when they interviewed the UFC president about it, he was like, "Oh yeah, there was an outage, uh, you know, but we fixed it and everything was fine." And then everyone everyone was like, "Oh no, we spent seventy dollars and we missed two fights that ended in knockouts." Like that's Bro, why was why was it seventy dollars? The most expensive pay per view over here is like twenty five pounds, yeah, which is about yeah, but Chris, twenty eight dollars. You don't. This is why you don't understand that that commie country of yours. Yeah, this is America. <laughs> this is capitalism. Yeah, we're we, such a we can pay, we can pay $70 for a fight because we want to, because we can. We don't have to like worry about like government subsidized UFC fight. Yeah. Is the thing. But, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Could you imagine UFC? <laughs> Two, 70, 7.50 whatever it was. Yeah, sponsored by Boris Johnson. <laughs> but, or sponsored by Joe Biden. <laughs> it was a but but it was a fucking mess. It was a mess. It was a fun fight night. Like once we actually got the, 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 the got it back, I thought it was a fantastic night of fights. I thought it was great. Um but yeah, I mean I obviously think the fight of the week is Lukaku versus uh my boy Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's right. But Zlatan has a black belt. Zlatan, bro. Zlatan, I mean, apparently that's a bit of a myth. Apparently it was like an honorary black belt, I heard. But Zlatan would beat the crap out of Lukaku regardless. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think. And, 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 L- Romelu Lukaku is a big boy, though. But I just think that Zlatan's like... Zlatan just kick him. You see them, like, match, like you know, getting each other's face. Head to head. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, <laughs> but, he's got that mother. reach, though. He's got the reach, and I don't think Lukaku could reach Slotson. That's that's what I'm saying. And and did you guys see like the the fight subtitles, like what Slotson was saying? Yeah, they were awful. Yeah, it was awful. It wasn't the court. Yeah, you're right. Awful. So he like, said some of the stuff was they're saying. I don't know what, but I what I saw it was awful. It was some really mean stuff. I mean, nothing I haven't heard worse than a you know an Xbox lobby 2005 2010. <laughs> but I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> okay, well, okay, wait, was it was it racist? They like, were talking no. about each other's mothers and shit. Well, well so it's yeah, so, says, so, I, I think off. he called him a little donkey. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's because it was his, about his first touch, though. I think that's yeah. like, because there's this massive thing about how Zlatan would pay uh, Lukaku £50 whenever they were at United or whenever Lukaku just left United or Zlatan just left United. Um, and they were saying that we he would pay him £50 for for every first touch that he got right, that he did well. <laughs> but, the, but what I find amazing was that you had a Belgian guy who can speak, I think Lukaku can speak English, Belgian, French, obviously, because he's where he's from. So he can speak Italian. Sorry. Did you say Belgian? Yeah. And Dutch. What? Bel- can he speak Dutch, too? two languages, and none of them is Belgian. Oh, sorry, it's pardon me, Flemish. Fle- Fle- or Flemish. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I think oh, I, I can't think... remember. Oh, I was, that, that was I'm, so I'm stupid, wasn't it? Right god. Now, oh, my brain. Oh, <laughs> my god. I heard you, Corey. Um, no, but the thing so, <laughs> so so is, so is says, Yo, you donkey. Oh, and then he says, slow. Go and tell your mom to do her voodoo shit. And then he says that like three times. He goes, Tell your oh, mom to yeah. do her voodoo shit. And then oh, Lukaku goes, Is he saying something about my mom? Is he saying something? Say it to my face. And then Zlatan's just off to the side going like, fuck you. Fuck you, man. And he's just laughing his ass off. And I mean, honestly, because I was talking, me and Chris were talking about this earlier in the week. Like, I mean, Lukaku obviously is like, has a big head and he's like very, he has an ego. 
But I think that like every Zlatan is a player that like you look up to. And if you have a shitty experience with him when you play versus like Zlatan, then you'll probably be like, okay, screw him. He's not a great guy. He's not my hero. But it's like Lukaku. Oh, dick. Yeah. yeah, but Lukaku when he was playing at United was probably like really bummed out and maybe like the shit Zlatan did really got to him. And then when they were playing in this derp, you know, this derby, he's probably like already amped up to be playing against him. And then, I mean, it was just a matter of time in my opinion, you know? Hmm. Yeah, you were so well, you were so desperate to say Derby there, weren't you, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Milan Derby. Milan <laughs> Derby. Yeah. <laughs> God. Sorry, Brown. <laughs> it, no, it's just um, like I feel like it happens with a lot of players, where a lot of strikers and defenders are just dicks to the other team. I mean, it just it just happens. I know Suarez does that. Every single time well, he plays another team, true. no Johnny Suarez. Every game for every player. Like I assume yeah. there's some shit talking going on that I don't see. Yeah, it's like oh I mean, yeah. What I've heard Sunday league, so I wouldn't expect anything what different from some of the world class. No, players. Just completely to agree. I I think that's totally heard, normal. Um, I think it's what? funny. So when I don't know why they would have blown up like that. I would have just you gotta at that yeah. level, especially at one of your peers. Yeah. Just be like, well, fuck you, man. It's just like unless he said something like, really bad, though. That's why I think that's why he blew up. I can't imagine yeah. somebody saying anything. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe if my fucking baby died in a fire and he was talking about my dead baby, that would I guess be fucked up. But then you just hit him. There's a line, yeah. Just hit him, right? Well, I think the the voodoo <laughs> thing referred to like Lukaku was saying that there was like a voodoo ritual that his mom did that made him move to another. Club. I, thought it I think racist. that was. I feel like if I say something to a black guy about voodoo, it's like, okay, Corey, that's that's pretty racist. Is that racist? Well, that's what I didn't get. I don't know. Like if a bunch it, of if people it actually were like saying, happened, well, no, I don't. I don't know because like a bunch of like, I, and I don't know if this was just like Twitter because a lot of shit. Like whenever I hear about something like this on Twitter, I always hear like, oh, the, everyone thinks it's racist, but then I look on Twitter and no one thinks it's racist. But then like the players will like react to it and be like. I think he was referring to like something that Lukaku in the me- Lukaku in the media talked about is like is that explained like part of like the reason why he moved teams it was like a voodoo ritual with his mom. So I think it was referring to that. I think in that context, it's not necessarily racist. Yes, that makes way more sense. I guess it's just yeah, that it's would cult- be the first cultural, isn't it? International stage that someone was saying voodoo shit to a black guy. I'm like, that wasn't a thing before. I don't think. Yeah. And yeah. It, and, but again, yeah, yeah, exactly. Twitter, I think it's Twitter just trying to stick. Because again, you could go like and like watch the videos and look at all this stuff. And I literally, I looked, I couldn't find one person being like, this is racist, except for like, you know, them defending themselves on how it's not racist. Because I remember Pogba came out and was like, no, like, Slotson's not racist, you know, and Pogba did a tweet about it and said Slotson's not that racist. That was the whole Cavani thing. Huh? I remember the whole Cavani thing not long ago. Cavani can do no wrong. Well, oh yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that was nothing. That was clearly nothing because that was just the uh, the Suarez thing. Said. Though was actually racist. That was definitely yeah. No, you yeah. you know what I'm talking about now. But the Suarez was definitely racist. Oh yeah, and, I mean Suarez said, is openly and racist. And the Suarez thing. Yeah, he admitted it. And, and like, why is it like that? Like they like, dude, Suarez did something horrible, and like no one fucking cared. And even like ten years later, dude, like. Everyone still kind of throws it off to the side, and, he, and hey, I don't it's, think when you're a like good player, I think it's very divisive. I mean, yeah, it's but just the like, best best example I can think of 
for this, like the most extreme example is Patrick Clivert, Ajax legend. When he was mm. in the prime of his career, he drove drunk, killed someone. He hit someone, killed killed them, and never went to jail because he was wow. an Ajax legend. And That's no one crazy. fucking cares. That is crazy. Like, that guy should have been in jail for drunk driving and killing a person. Yeah. Marcos uh, Alonso is the same. But, the same. Yeah, Marcos Alonso is the exact same. Kill a guy? Driving? Yeah, he, 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 he was in a car crash and I think he was drunk. Marcos Alonso this is, but supposedly the story goes that he was in a car crash and he was drunk and he crashed into a tree and his girlfriend was sat in the car, in the driver's seat. And um, yeah, she passed away, unfortunately. But the one that I always think of in terms of like smack talk on the pitch is obviously probably the most famous one is uh, the World Cup final whenever Marco Matarazzi started started abusing Zidane's mum. Right. And Zidane obviously turned around and just headbutted his chest. Exactly. <laughs> That's got to be like the epitome. Or like yeah. when, like, uh, what's his name? Goes and leaps and kicks a guy in the crowd. Can- Eric Cantona. Cantona, yeah. That's just like, mm. what do you say to a guy to have him do that? It's got to be some sort of trauma in the yeah. family, right? And then it's just going and But you are going to hit somebody. Hit some, headbutt him in the face. You're already getting yeah. sent off. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, I agree. I'm so true. had a thing too, right? Where where someone was like doing this to him, and he was like looking back and was like, "Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I saw, I've seen that. Well, that's hilarious. See, that's hilarious. He's making yeah. fun of his nose, and then he's like, well, 'Well, you've got a little dick. So what? what what's up?' Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dude, he's like that's classic. That's great. That's what I want to see. But, but that's what I hate to see people. Yeah. <laughs> but but Zlatan, dude, he's he's such a psychopath how he does shit. Cause he was in MLS when VAR was like getting big here, and he, I think he forgot that VAR was a thing. So yeah, this one punch part, people. Well, yeah, like this. Well, this one. Yeah, just punch people. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, this one player was like, was this player was talking shit to Zlatan, and Galaxy was losing. And Zlatan just walks up behind him and then just smacks him in the back of the head. And then, like, the player, like, falls down. He's like, what the fuck was that? And then Zlatan, like, looks around and then, like, grabs his face and then falls down. And then the ref, like, is like, okay, we'll figure this out. And runs over to the VAR and goes, you just fucking hit him. What are you doing? And Zlatan's like, oh, yeah, okay. And then he gets a red card. But it's, it's hilarious. I know. He smacks I, I know. I, think, I don't know who it was, but it was an Ajax defender that um, – was explaining that, like, at the beginning of every important match, he's like, I will hurt my direct, like, opponent. Like, off, like, I'll make sure that, like, it's not visible or, like, try to disguise it. But, like, he's like, I'll try to, like, step on their boot or I'll try to, like, uh, with my studs scrape their calf or something. Because I want to hurt them right in the beginning of the game so they know who they're dealing with for the rest of the Let game. Let them know you're there. Spread lightly against me. Yeah. It's a proper uh, British term, that. Yeah, but, like, that's what <laughs> we were... We, we, we were always taught it as well, whenever I was playing. Let, let them know you're there early. First tackle in, in on them hard lads. That's what it was. That's how you was. do. Yeah. That's but, how you do it. Do you know... Did I ever tell you guys I was playing... Um, whenever I lived in Spain, I was playing in a, in a like, a, an Erasmus versus, like, Spain... Um, seven aside tournament sort of thing and there were two Erasmus teams and there were like the rest of them were all like Spanish te- like guys from Spain and um, in the game before we were playing a Spanish team and yours truly scored a hat trick thank you very much but then we play like which isn't which isn't remotely relevant to the story I just wanted to tell you that I scored a hat trick against the Spanish people and we won 3-0 mm-hmm. and it was quite a good day but then the next game we were playing against like the university's team in the semi-final and we were really good. Like we had a lot of, we had like 
a goalkeeper, um, a guy called Florian, who played like second level, um, second division for French in the French league, like for a club for there. He was maybe he was like sixteen, and he stopped and went to university instead. But one of the guys from the opposite team in like couldn't speak a word of English because where I live in Spain, they couldn't speak any English at all. They started like swearing at me saying like fuck you you look like Wayne Rooney <laughs> and I understood what he said and I was like what? that's good <laughs> that's, mean, <isn't> it? <laughs> that's really good <laughs> he that's started to be like puta Rooney puta Rooney and I was like dude I understand what you're saying I'm much better looking than Wayne Rooney excuse me <laughs> Bro, I'm just saying if someone came at me like that I would laugh so I, that's so funny I'm sorry like he could say that to, that's a yeah. funny insult because Wayne Rooney looks like a thumb and you don't look like Wayne Rooney but that's hilarious. <laughs> like, oh my Thank God. Thank you, JB. Yeah. Yeah, I was there like, well, inventive. Yeah. Yeah, I would be like, that's so yeah. fun and like insulting people in Spanish. It flows too. You know what's funny? I only saw, and just because we're doing- Cheers, cheers bro. And just because, <laughs> because we're, clo- we're kind of closing this out in Sunday League stories. So Corey's like, Corey is like super chill. He never like talks shit to players. I'll never fucking forget this. But there was a time where there was like a free kick and Corey was like, yo, Corey's a defender. And all you hear Corey do is, what's up, man? You good? What's up, man? And he's like doing that. <laughs> and everyone's like, wait, what the fuck is going on? And then all of a sudden the ref runs up and gives the other dude a red card. They're like, what the fuck happened? And then the guy like just walks off. And we're like, what happened? And Corey goes, the guy was like putting his studs on my, on my shin guard. So like I just said, what's up, man? You, what's up? You know? that was a corner but yeah I, I had no idea that was i was so it was so weird it was it was like five ten minutes into the game too it just started so it was just like so strange yeah i love that shit I there, that. Was, there was a time when it, i was um i was playing um in my, in my uni league and I, I whenever i was 18 i broke my leg in two places because of a, like oh. a decent tackle but it was basically the type of tackle it was like shin to shin and the goalkeeper went over my leg and I was playing against this guy, this team, and clearly these guys would never, they didn't know how to play football because they didn't know how to tackle. Some of them were like handballing things, didn't know how to kick a ball, stuff like that. It was, the quality wasn't great. And this guy went on like, he, he, do you know the way when you slide tackle, you're always taught you have to go in on your side, obviously, um, with one leg behind and one outstretched leg to win the ball. This guy like went in, jumped off the ground, and he dove with his knees directly into my my knees to my hip area oh and i remember in, in riding in so much pain because i and I, I said to the ref look i broke my leg because of a tackle exactly like this yeah and i went through the guy and i was like who the hell and i never i don't lose it i don't like fighting on pitches i think it's just a bit tragic at times um but then i scored later on the game and the guy was still on the pitch and i turned around and i went <laughs> I just went, oh, screw you. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! I love it. Bram, do you have any do you have any Sunday League stories that you could fill us in on before we end this episode? And yeah, yeah. So when I was young, um, I played for a team, um, and my parents were always amazed because I lost every single game, and I still <laughs> enjoyed playing soccer. So that's my that's my. That's my youth uh, soccer experience. I think we would lose on average with like five to zero, maybe oh, nine boy. to zero at times. Oh, um, uh, I did score every once in a while. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a great experience. And then I played Sunday League, which is better, um, but still a little scary. Yeah. Because uh, then we played on turf. I don't like playing on turf. Turf kind of sucks. Um, so. Can't slide. Uh... Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you can't you can't slide like I don't know. I've played. You just like, got really uh, horrible burns with you? my. You get rugged yeah. and like you yeah horrible rash burns. And I love sliding. So this is a, this is kind of a I don't know if that's a thing in most Sunday leagues, but the one I've played in one in the Netherlands and one in the U.S. and both of those are like yeah you can't slide because we're not insured for that. <laughs> like if you slide we'll give you a yellow card a lot of indoor there's no sliding just as a general rule or like yeah there'll be like there's no sliding just as a rule uh, oh well unless mm -hmm. there's like three meters between you and anybody else so if you're just like making a desperate lunge to make it like like to keep the ball in play and you're without, you know three meters away from mm. everybody it's it's fine yeah yeah you know? yeah but yeah i mean but the, the league core and i played in like you, that, I felt like that league was pretty gritty. Which one, the indoor or the Luciano? Players? Yeah, yeah, no, it was. It was. It used to be more hardcore, um, but there was another one in Paris, which you know there'd be fights all the time, like fights every week. But yeah, yeah our league, our league was pretty crappy. Yeah. you heard it here first. Corey and Johnny played in Paris, France. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, Paris, California. Nice. Nice. That's right, baby. <laughs> Dude, there's a, like I just want, I I don't want to like open another can of worms as we're finishing off, but there is um there I just like as you're mentioning dream places to play. There's a pitch in Brooklyn that overlooks like into the into the Hudson and the um oh, you can man. see from Brooklyn across into the south of Manhattan, and it's a football pitch right on the banks of like whatever that part of water is beside like basically Atlantic on the off of Brooklyn. And it, honestly, it is the most beautiful backdrop to play a game of football. And that is my like bucket list football pitch. As you just mentioned, Paris, that's mm -hmm. my number one. Yeah. <laughs> it's New that? York. It's Brooklyn. I mean, I mean that could be water. pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, the most, beautiful, the most beautiful pitch in the world is called the Tukumst. And it's the training pitch of Ajax because it has as a back, backdrop the Johan Cruyff Arena. Oh, nice. Decent. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. So uh, to close it out, I just like to say, um, that's it. Everton beat Sheffield Wednesday. We sh we thrashed him. We took oh. their little little leggies and we we, we dragged them through the dirt. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, for everyone watching, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Football Retreat Podcast because we're gonna actually start posting now. Um, all right. Wait. Everyone have a fantastic Yay. night. We'll see you next week.